I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Welcome back to another episode of the fifth and last podcast and kicking things off with a bit of news. The city and country sides with a fair few withdrawals and call-ups. Most notably, we have players pulling out left, right and centre. In Jared Mullen, who's going to be out with a knee injury confirmed. Uh, he's had some surgery, probably six weeks. Hinchcliffe's got a knee injury for country, not sure of the time period. Jared Hayne has pulled out for city. Josh Reynolds out. Chris Lawrence, Aaron Woods, Robbie Farrar, Mitchell Pearce, uh, even Reese Robinson and Champion were caught up as cover, and they've pulled out now as well. You've got players coming in such as Joel Reddy, James Tedesco, Adam Cuthbertson, Curtis Sirinan. Uh, we've put the question up this week, obviously. Uh, is it becoming a joke, this game? And with some of the players that are coming in, especially Joel Reddy, who's only played a couple of games and a couple off the bench, he's now starting centre for what is supposed to be a New South Wales trial. So... It's becoming a bit of a joke. Australian New Zealand sides obviously named. A few young bloods in Tohu and Sheck, 18th and 19th man for New Zealand, but will they get to play? That's a different story. Uh, a little underdone with Sonny Bill Williams out. Jeremy Smith, obviously. His suspension now with a head slam. He is facing up to four to six weeks if unsuccessful, and players like Cassiano still out. So they're a bit light on, but don't expect them to lay down for the Australians. Uh, back to our coaching subject, we had Price, Ferner and Elliott all under the pump, but now it's only Matthew Elliott with one win from five and Price and Ferner three and three. So does Elliott keep his job for the rest of the year or is this another Brian McLennan? Uh, in my eyes, I think he's under a fair bit of pressure and it's only a matter of time until things hit the fan. Jumping into some injury news now and a blow to the Tigers with Braith and Asta looking to be out for three to six weeks from a green injury suffered in the loss to the Dragons, further hurting them. And uh, the Marshall and him now on the sidelines, so probably going to have to run with Miller and Curtis Sirin in a very young pairing, or if not, they're going to have to bring uh, Moulton from fullback and let Tedesco play there. Mullen, like I just said before, four to six weeks for the knee clean out. Josh Mansour and Wes Naguama, both six weeks for the Panthers, which really hurts them. They're lacking some depth uh, with ankle and knee problems. Denny Badiris obviously had a back operation and he has denied that he will be retiring early, so he's looking to get himself back and hopefully play a partner, run into the finals or a final series with the Knights, probably looking for a bit of a swan song, so see how that one plays out for him. And uh, another injury and an absolute tragedy, uh, and a snapped Achilles for Joe Nullivell, an absolute stalwart and a great example in our game, is uh, torn his Achilles on the weekend, and that could be the end of his career. He's 35 years old now, he's played for a long time, uh, Best wishes go out to Smoking Joe. We've hit him up on Twitter, and that's uh, not the way you want to see such a great bloke go down. So best of luck to him moving forward. 
two things about players coming back or successful returns from injuries is Campisi on the weekend finally coming back after two consecutive seasons ended by ACL injuries. Uh, very short 20-minute stint, but looked really, really good. And he, he got involved. It looks like a bit of a no-fear policy after having so much time off, and he contributed nicely to the Raiders. And obviously, Glenn Stewart, someone who's barely played football over last year and the start of this year, he will be back for round seven, the next upcoming round after the rep fixtures against South Sydney. So big boost for them. But uh, unfortunately for Glenn's brother, Brett, he has come out today and said he has fears of losing the fullback spot for the state of origin with uh, this continuing hamstring problem and fears that's going to ruin his chances. So going forward, it's only going to have to wait and see what happens with that. But if Brett Stewart pulls out, I'm still adamant that Michael Gordon is an adamant replacement and to me probably been playing better football. So we do have a replacement as long as he's healthy and if Stewart has any problems. And last bit of news I've got here was obviously the blow-up from the weekend between Jamie Seard and Robbie Farr. Uh, a lot of people speculated and things were said about what, what was mentioned out there. In particular, there was thought that Saud may have mentioned to uh, Farah about his mother, who's passed away, which would be a bit disgraceful. But at the same time, this is all innuendo and rumour that it was all kicked off with Farah having a crack to Saud about his girlfriend. It's uh, been issued in the media that Saud has apologised to Farah when Farah was asked about the issue. He was very quick to say, yep, no worries about the apology, but I don't want to talk about it any further. So a nerve was hit, and hopefully nothing more like that happens. But for now, welcome back to the fifth and last podcast. Let's get into it with Nick Tedeschi. And we welcome back Nick Tedeschi. Welcome back, buddy. How's things been? Yeah, the rep season's here. Uh, plenty of injuries obviously coming from the weekend. I think it's uh, already starting to take its toll, the standard of football and the physicality. But uh, jumping straight in, mate, after the first six rounds, for you, uh, who's impressed you so far and who hasn't impressed you? Uh, look, it's uh, obviously the Melbourne Storm, but yeah, it's very hard not to be impressed by a team that plays uh, such re- relentless football. You know, they were... Uh, Uh, horrendous. Uh, they started off just uh, losing some games from good sides. 
Do you think uh, do you think the Bulldogs will make the eight, mate? From from this point in time. Ah, uh, look at the moment the way they're playing. No, well, they've got their draws obviously going to uh, ease up a lot. Mm. Uh, but I just, you know, by the time Graham gets back, Cassiano's at least a couple of weeks away still. If we you know, drop another game or two, we're going to have to play pretty perfect football to get the eight from here on out. And even if we do, we can't make the four side. So I'm all set to win the premiership. For uh, mine, I, I, I think Hopkinson is the man to be, man to be halfback. But, yeah, he's a player a lot better than he played on, uh, on Friday night. Mm. Yeah, I just don't know if attacking weapons to score enough points to beat, to beat Yeah, well, for me, it's definitely Cassiano and Graham. We spoke to MG about it last week, and I know a lot of people are still writing them off, but you look at it last year, those two are virtually, you know, they're the first receiver on both sides of the ball. And the other big problem, when you said it before, they're going nowhere in attack, is obviously bending the line back and... Cassiano can certainly deliver that, and James Graham's got uh, a lot better feet than someone like your Aiden Tolman, who no doubt is a workhorse, but is a little one-dimensional in his running game. So for me, I still see him making the eight, but it has to come with Cassiano and Graham coming back, and in particular Cassiano, I think uh, well, well underrated is his value to that team and releasing Ben Barber and taking pressure off the halves, that's for sure. That's right. Well, they essentially played the two halfbacks, and why Chris Keating in that system and most clubs are pretty first grade at best. He pitched in the system, which just plays like a, you know, a, another a, a facilitator to allow Joel, uh, Josh Reynolds, and uh, Ben Bowe to kind of run that option play on the edge there where they get to a man and they get to the, the edge of the, the attack and go, well, we'll have a pass to the man outside and we'll put them and go. And that's where all that, that all originates from like that play in the middle. The biggest disappointment for me this year with Canterbury is their failure to adapt to, to their personnel. Obviously, they've had injuries. But you, you can't keep playing the same style when you've got Master yeah, Powering the ball up all day. So it's just it's not a wild, it's not a wild watch. And, and I would have thought that uh, uh, you know, we saw a lot of those early in the season. I would have thought that there might have been some uh, boost to adapt their back. Uh, but without bruising or that. Yeah, well, moving on from teams that have impressed and who hasn't impressed, obviously. Rep teams were selected yesterday. We've got the city-country clash coming up as well as the Australian-New Zealand side. Uh, any surprises for you in the Anzac teams or in the city-country? Which, uh, well, I suppose there's plenty of surprises in that one, seeing how many of players have bloody pulled out already. Yeah, look, well, the biggest surprise this one for me from the rep teams was uh, the answer to Sean Benson in the country side. Sean Benson was one of the first players to be in South Wales. He's uh, a guy who averages over 45 tackles and 110 metres a game. 
you know, always scrapping after the loose ball. He was a Queensland. He would have been picked a year or two ago, and he was doing his way to a uh, you know, 30, 35 uh, origin career. The guy, yeah, does everything we need. Yeah, he, he, he just can defend in the middle. He can hit on the edge. He does all you need, and was somehow overlooked to a country side. They decided to include players like Willie Mason. To me, that's just absolutely astonishing. Yeah, there's no thought of the future. Uh, I, I know exactly the reason why he wasn't picked because he doesn't have the, the big body that, that you know we have big Tony Williams because he's you know, got a big body he's got potential oh, the same reason Eric Gross played, uh, uh, played Origin and Nathan Merritt never had this obsession with size and that's exactly what Sean said it's a, a, a real disappointment with the test team look it's a bit hard to knock a, a team that, uh, that just keeps on winning and they were, they were pretty raw to who they had, who they had. Uh, Williams had to get dropped I have no drama at all with uh, uh, Hodges in for, for Morris. Italy is a better option than Barrow. I know that would have been a question on him. Of course, there may have been a bit of uh, uh, politics there between Robbie and Tim as well. At, uh, yeah. That selection. But uh, my biggest one was uh, the failure of bringing uh, at least one new face. I thought a Trent Mariner and Aaron Wood definitely deserved a run. And uh, uh, I certainly would have had uh, one of those two on my bench. Uh, and you know, there's been a bit of controversy about Darius Boyd, but Darius Boyd's done the job there. But had Boyd have missed out, I would have liked to have seen uh, uh, Michael Gordon get around. I think Michael Gordon's one of the most underrated players in the comp. Uh, I was pleased with him in country this week, but I hope he, uh, hope he impresses enough to uh, win himself an Irish jersey. Yeah, well, I think... Michael Gordon was my kind of option for a fullback, but once again, we've had Laurie Daly already come out and say he's got 12 or 13 picked, and we're starting to see some of the names that are probably more obvious origin selections pulling out of the city-country game. There's been names such as Jared Hayne pull out, Josh Reynolds is uh, pulled out, Ryan Hinchcliffe, Mullen, Woods, Farrah, Pierce. There's an absolute bucket load that have already gone. Is uh, city-country becoming a joke? Because to me... Uh, I know there's probably some legitimate injuries and they have to go through medicals, but at the same time, Joel Reddy's been called into play and this is one signal right here that the game's starting to fall off the map. The bloke's played, you know, I think three or four of the six games so far, two of them off the bench, and now he's in a representative game for Christ's sake. It, uh, it is sad. I love the City Country game. I think the City Country game should be part of the calendar, but I think it's uh, uh, a lot more respect from the club. It's a lot more respect from the players. Uh, that's what I told you, Pat, uh, uh, a few and I asked him, you know, what are the highlights of your career? He said, look, the three country games he played were, were among the highlights of his career. He said, yeah, the best week, he loved it. It was great representing the Bush, and it would be, uh, 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 I should the country club. I'm not sure it's, uh, it's uh, all that uh, important to the city players. I might be wrong on that. But what uh, what does disappoint me is, is the, you know, they're all injuries. You know, Ryan Hitchcliffe would love to play. Ryan Hitchcliffe won't play football for a month. So, you know, he, he has his stuff to do, then he gets, uh, uh, people like Mitchell Pierce have already been declared. There's no mention of injury. He played pretty well on Friday night. Got to that okay. All of a sudden he's missing. Yeah, and the sad thing is, it's not, it's not just happening to uh, 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 city country. It's happening to, uh, to international football because Tony Bill had no problem out there for 74 minutes on uh, on Friday night. He was uh, he carved uh, carved the ball over that pretty well. But uh, you know, all of a sudden, uh, too good to represent his uh, too good to represent his nation. So. I think of all the criticisms of uh, Indian players falling out, that's the one that uh, probably gets me the most, but uh, also the one that probably surprises me the least. Yeah, look, I, my take on all that is, is 
why have a representative weekend if everyone's going to pull out? I, I understand if it was a if it was a Friday night city country and a Friday night test as it used to be, and then obviously a split round that weekend. I can understand players pulling out, but it, it is turning into a bit of a mockery, and I, I think it's something they've they've really got to look at. Just on the city country, I think the I don't think the fans want it anymore because it's it it, it is becoming a mockery, but. I think, as you say, a lot of the stuff that happens behind the scenes, out in country areas, stuff that the you know the the normal day to day fan that lives in the city uh, wouldn't see. I, I think that's why the city country concept will survive and why it um, still does exist. So um, you know, as long as it's it's doing something for country football, which which has been neglected, let's face it. Um, you know, I think it'll remain in the game. Yeah, and I'm kind of with both you on that one. And obviously, you said about Luke Patton's words and. You know, I've spoken to a, a few blokes about it as well that have experienced it. And, and me as a fan, I, I don't want to see it go. But at the same time, I watch the game and at the end of it, I look at it and think, you know, this bloke and this bloke have been in good form at club, should be considered for origin, but it, it just never seems to eventuate. If it was a genuine rep trial, blokes that were being selected for that game that were in form, you know, would be getting rewarded. But this year in particular, like Laurie Dale the other week, I think the best thing he could have done was at least bite his lip and not come out and say that he had 12 to 13 positions already picked bar injury. That's just really throwing a spanner in the works as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's utterly ridiculous from a marketing point of view. It's no surprise after the uh, NRL wouldn't uh, uh, force the Roosters to allow Sammy, to put Sonny Bill Williams up and, and promote the, game, the, the big game on Friday up properly, which is why we've got half the crowd that should have been there. And, of course, the, the same thing here. Why would uh, Laurie Daly say something like that? Uh, it's utterly ridiculous for a team that's lost seven series in a row to say 13 players are a short position. That's mm. uh, what we're going on. What, what about last year's defeat yeah, was, was enough to say, Mitchell Pierce, you deserve it. Well, we ran the ball three times and, and found Billy Slater on the floor every, uh, every king. It, it, it's astonishing. You, you are uh, allowing the players who have the position to take it easy. You're allowing the people who, the, the players who uh, uh, are challenging positions to you, how many people are disillusioned. Yeah, and you, you, you're undermining the city country game, and you yeah, for mine, you're undermining the entire selection process. And yeah, I'm not getting uh, real good feelings from Laurie Daly that uh, the Blues are going to win this uh, clean run anytime soon. Yeah, well, I'm kind of getting the same vibe as you. I'm already a bit reliant to the fact that it's not going to go the right way. But moving on from that negative, because it is giving me a headache even thinking <laughs> about Laurie Daly's uh, process so far of being the coach. But speaking of coaches, there was obviously three that were under severe pressure, which was Stephen Price, David Ferner, and Matty Elliott, all winless after three rounds. But now it's gone the complete flip side of that. We've got Price and Ferner with three and three and looking a lot more comfortable in their jobs. But poor old Matty Elliott stranded on one win at a club that's already sacked a coach that was signed for a couple of years. Is there a possibility that we are going to see another coach at the Warriors fired before finishing his first season? I would actually be surprised if Matt Elliott lasted until May. It's, uh, uh, they're, they're impatient of the Warriors. They've got a lot of young talent. Uh, they they realised last year they made the wrong decision with Brian McLaren. And whether Matt Elliott was the right man or not, the players didn't want, didn't, did not want Matt Elliott. And the culture of that club is that if you don't like the coach, you turn it up completely. And, you know, while they haven't turned it up uh, 100%, they started the season that way. They, they certainly weren't turning up earlier in the season. And they had 50 fewer plays than the, the Raiders in the second half on, on Saturday night. Matt Elliott has never won a final game. So to give Matt Elliott too much rope would just be ridiculous. The Panthers did a few years ago. 
for some reason, man, like, keep getting away signs. It, it, it makes no sense, and the Warriors shouldn't have hired him in the first place. And I have little little uh, doubt that, uh, that the Warriors will, uh, will part ways by the end of the year. What they need is a tough disciplinarium, and I would like to see, uh, yeah, I'm no rap on Brian Smith, but yeah, I think Brian Smith will at least get uh, you know, shaking it up, whatever, whatever it needs to be, that club for a few years, and then uh, you know, you, you streamline it up, maybe a Stephen Kearney or something like that. situation out of all three of them. I'm kind of with you on the, the Price and Ferner thing. Ferner's used to an up-and-down start. The Raiders are, are genuinely never strong starters or never a consistent side, but enough talent to usually creep in. Price, for me, it's a case of kind of like the Warriors, you know, who do you replace him with? But I think for the, the New Zealand side of things, that when they stuffed Kidwell around, that was the biggest mistake they made because someone like him or Iroh would have been much more respected in particular, uh, you know, re- reputation-wise and within their culture. So for me... If I was at the Warriors again and I was looking to get rid of Matt Elliott, I'd be going straight back to the David Kidwell situation, but I wouldn't be stuffing him around this time because uh, he was obviously quite furious that they tried to offer him the job a couple of weeks before pre-season started, and he said, no, nah, that's that's definitely not happening. I've got no time to plan or get a staff together. So out yeah, of all three of them, for me, I, I'm, I'm definitely thinking that Matt Elliott won't see out the year. Yeah, uh, look, I, I don't know if she was going to fly features. He's uh, had some time on Melbourne Storm system. Uh, whether he's ready to, to jump straight in uh, uh, just at the bar home, well I don't know I, I, you know, I just hate to see uh, uh, a, a coaching career ruined as uh, Stephen Carney's yeah, mm. was, he was the, the boom thing of his uh, he's the darkest spot at Paramount uh, he'd be uh, uh, nice to uh, have a second kind of mentor there with him but uh, well, he was going to write two seconds to be a coaching job yeah most definitely well, well our last point that I wanted to bring up uh Something that's been frustrating both of us is obviously the refereeing. I thought the first week I had a massive grin on my face. I was really happy to see that the hand was out of the ruck. They weren't allowed to play at the ball. And, you know, everyone says that the cramping's because they've come off a preseason and haven't been playing. I thought all the cramping was because the ruck had finally been sped up and everyone had to play, uh, you know, at a decent pace. But it seems that the ruck's already crumbled. The referees have gone back to their soft ways, and it's just very slow and inconsistent again. I just wondered what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, look, to me, uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not happy with the, the game being sped up. I think it's certainly uh, uh, some games are, are going exceptionally fast based on things that, uh, that certainly suit your better teams. It certainly suits you, your better drills and your more mobile packs like your milk and salt. It's not between best and worst, there's a lot bigger now than it was last year. But for mine, uh, what I find very, very tough to deal with is, is the inconsistencies in the wrestling game. Uh, uh, you know, I think the referee's improved last year in general. It's done a pretty good job. 
watching the game last night the the Titans Eels game and, and Ricky Stewart's obviously yeah well that's right I mean they were um, the referees were awful in that game and um, I know Ricky Stewart's blown a gasket in the press conference but um, for me I, I thought both sides got away with way too much in that game I, I don't think it was um, you know, as one-sided as what Ricky made it made it out to be. Obviously, at the back end of the game, it was, and it probably did affect the result um, with the Titans having the majority of the ball for the last 20 minutes. But uh, I think it has got to that stage where something's got to be done. The ruck at the start of that game for both teams, they were laying all over it. There were three-man pills. There were hands on the ball. There were crusher tackles. There were grapple tackles. There were arm bars. There, were, there was all sorts of stuff going on in the ruck. And I said it last week to, to MG... It's not going to be long before someone or a team or a coach is going to allow their players to take it into their own hands. And um, I thought Melbourne would have gone pretty close to it last night, and I thought both teams probably had cause to uh, think about it in in last night's game. So incredible. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know what the pocket referee does if they're not sitting in one of the They should be there placing all that stuff. Yeah, It's definitely something that they need to look at. It has been very, very inconsistent. And like you said before, anyone who's a football fan or a watcher of the football every week, it's definitely probably the most frustrating thing over the past five years. But for the start of this season, I just can't believe it lasted one round. And so quickly, it's already deteriorated. So hopefully uh, the refs get their act together because I'm with you. I think Daniel Anderson's the right man going forward. But the refs in particular definitely need to clean up their game. But... uh, as far as all that goes, mate, just one last thing, your tip for this week. So who wins out of Australia, New Zealand, and who wins the city country? Look, uh, I'm going to think Australia. Yeah, I would have been some hype, but I doubt Jeremy Smith will be there. Tony Bill Williams won't be there. Not convinced that the 
that uh, enough of their players are going well. I think they saw Duncan Karen Farnhouse uh, combination will be interesting. I'm going to see how they go without Bimby Marshall. If they don't have the, the dominant man there, I think they'll actually both play better uh, because of it. Uh, well, I'll still be with Australia, but uh, and probably about plenty. They always win this mid-season test. Uh, City country, I love City. City are playing Joel Reddy, so and Adam Cuthbertson. <laughs> so I'll always take a team that's not playing Joel Reddy, Adam Cuthbertson. So uh, I'll have to be on country with, with them. And, uh, and uh, in the other ones, uh, uh, I think yeah, maybe the maybe the Tongan boys have a little bit of Christmas. Yeah, well, I think I'm with you. I was on City when I saw the original lineups, but after the changes now, I'm starting to tilt back towards country. The Test match, Australia, hands down. We, we never seem to lose the mid-year Test. We're a lot more consistent with our selection. And Tonga and Samoa, I'm going to flip the coin, but I think I'm a little more with you and uh, pro- probably Tonga for mine. But uh, once again, thanks for your thoughts, Nick, and uh, look forward to catching up with you very soon. Pleasure, boys. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the rest of the, uh, the the podcast. No worries, mate. Thanks a lot. A big thanks, as always, to Nick Tedeschi for joining us here on the podcast. If you want to check out Nick's website, it is www.makingthenut.com. It's got everything to do with sports, life, and politics. And you can also catch Nick on Twitter at Nick Tedeschi. So a big thanks to him. And now we jump into our Fast Five for this week. Having trouble keeping track of all the play movements and signings in the NRL? Want to know who your team has re-signed, who they gained, and who they've lost for the next season? Well, check out www.zerotackle.com for all the latest news and rumours on the NRL. Zerotackle.com Alright, jumping into our Fast Five for this week. The highlight, low light, best player of the round, worst player around, and the question of the week. Best player of the round for me, it had to be James Maloney. Absolutely outstanding on Friday night, and uh, as we've said before, Mitchell Pearce has been guaranteed the slot by Laurie Daly unless hurt, and I think Maloney is definitely proving to be the best number six right now. Yeah, well, my best player came out of the same game. I had Sonny Bill Williams. Um, obviously, all the pressure he had during the week, he uh, went out, scored two tries, had a try assist, and made two line breaks. He was sensational on the night. Uh, worst for me, I couldn't really come up with a player. I just thought the whole Parramatta side in the second half, they absolutely imploded. Out of the same game, I thought Ricky Stewart's uh, post-match press conference and his big throwing the uh, toys out of the cot after the game was um, my dunce of the week. So, well done, Ricky. Yeah, well, moving on to the highlight of the week. For me, it was uh, a draw, actually. But first up, it was the Souths and the Storm game. I thought that justified being number one and two on the table. That was a great clash. And the other one was Dean Vare. These two shots that he put on in what was an absolute disgraceful game between them and Penrith, uh, uh, them in Newcastle, sorry. I thought that was uh, my two for the weekend. Yeah, my highlight was the Roosters' performance on Friday night. They totally outplayed the Bulldogs. It was only 8-0 at half time, but the way they went on, on with it second half, they were sensational. Um, and, you know, on the flip side, obviously, the, the Bulldogs, the worrying signs there. Yeah, well, my low light for the week had to have been Jeremy Smith's head slam. Uh, no one wants to see anyone go off in a neck brace, and he's obviously facing four weeks at the moment, and he's going to appeal it. So if he uh, is unsuccessful, he's going to get six weeks and probably justified. Yeah, it wasn't a good look that uh, the head slam out of that game. I just thought the Knights versus Panthers game, and also the Titans versus Eels games were just terrible standard, hard to watch. As a Titans fan, um, I thought they were disgraceful uh, in their performance, even though they got the win. Uh, and I, you know, I'm sure the fans of the Knights, Panthers, and Eels could also share some of that sympathy. Yeah. Well, as far as last week's question of the week and the new one, last week we asked you 
Uh, Laurie Daly had already penciled in Pierce for number seven for New South Wales, unless injured. Who did you think would get the number six alongside Pierce? We had Adam Reynolds with 18 votes, Josh Reynolds with four votes, John Sutton, one vote, James Maloney, six votes, and Todd Carney with six votes. But uh, looking at those results, obviously Reynolds on form has probably been, besides Cronk, the best halfback in the game. But uh, Maloney's definitely justifying being the number six right now. Yeah, well, it's, it's got to be either one of those two players. Into this week's question, we're going to ask uh, you about the city-country clash. Do you think it's relevant within the, the NRL season schedule, yes or no? So list your reasons in the comments section on Facebook. Um, we both think that the game's probably ran its course uh, as it's no longer a, a true origin trial. So, um, But that's for you guys to comment on. That's just our opinion. Um, hit us up on the Facebook in the comments section. Yeah, well, I most definitely... Uh, I do enjoy the game, but like you said before, it doesn't seem to be a true origin trial anymore, which is quite disappointing because I've always enjoyed it. I think it's a great game, but uh, I don't think players should be getting put up for risk, and you see a lot pulling out uh, pretty much knowing that it's not an origin trial, especially this year with Laurie Daly claiming 12 or 13 jerseys already taken. So, uh, well, Queensland don't need a trial. They've never had one, so mm. I don't see why we should um, bash each other around for 80 minutes and risk injury. Yeah, I like the fact they promote it in the bush, but every team should have to take one game to the bush if they're going to do it that way. They'd be much more efficient. So that's the Fast Five for this week. Thanks for your votes last week, and get on this week and get into that question. Let us know what you're thinking. Now we will move into the review of the weekend's clashes. For all the latest rugby league gear, head into Leagues and Legends, now based at Shell Arbor, Mount Druitt Westfield, and Campbelltown Mall Store. Or check them out online at www.nrlstore.com.au. For fifth and last listeners, you can receive free delivery on any 2013 adult NRL jersey. Be quick, jersey selling fast. Remember, www.nrlstore.com.au. Leagues and Legends. All right, reviewing the weekend's games that have just been by, we obviously kick off Friday night with the Roosters, a 38-0 whitewash of the Bulldogs, and there was obviously plenty of hype behind this game. Sonny Bill coming back to play against the Bulldogs and all the severely hurt fans, why at the same time uh, we both said last week, you look at it, the club's gone in a completely different direction. There's virtually no one left. I think there is absolutely no one left on the books that was there when he was there. So uh, I didn't see the real relevance there, but uh, if they were looking for revenge, they certainly didn't get it. No, they didn't. They uh, they were totally outplayed. They still uh, look an absolute rabble, the dogs, after six weeks. We've been waiting for them to improve, and uh, it just doesn't show any signs of happening at the moment. Um, Sonny Bill Williams was excellent in this game. All the lead-up, obviously, was centred around him and uh, things in the past that... Um, obviously, the Bulldogs fans were, were cranky about. He only had the seven touches in this game, but came up with two line breaks, um, a try assist and, and two tries, a couple of um, sensational touches during this game. So it was uh, quality rather than quantity from Sonny Bill the other night. Yeah, well, you want to talk about that seven touches, five of those having a severe impact on the game. So value for money, you could say, right now. Uh, key things for me, and it just keeps standing out, about the absence of Graham and Cassiano, 1,400 metres to 1,000 uh, the Bulldogs are just not bending the line back. Line breaks, six to zip, and once again, there's the difference between the two forward packs at the moment. The Roosters are absolutely ravaging sides, and the Dogs just aren't making a dent. Uh, they had to make a lot more tackles than what the the Roosters had to, and the two biggest differences is when you have that punch through the line, the Roosters play very direct, and you see players like uh, Maloney, who had an absolute barnstormer on Friday, tear teams apart on the 
back of that go forward. And then you look at the dogs. They've got no punch and they were just sideways and look confused. They used that block-block play. It was it was way too structured and they were just going nowhere. Yeah, and they were tipping on side to side, similar to the stuff that they were trying to do last year. But as, you, as you've already mentioned, you need go forward to do that. I thought Hodkinson and Reynolds, they sort of didn't dig into the line too much. Uh, Ennis isn't sort of that creative player out of nine, so um, that obviously has its effect um, in terms of trying to get some fluency or, or some uh, momentum through the middle of the field. They, they just they really look like they're struggling at the moment, the Bulldogs. Um, I thought Tony Williams, he had an improved performance. He um, picked up his work rate a little. He actually ran for over 100 metres for the first time this year, so mm-hmm. um, he made over 20 tackles. So, I mean, he's, he's improving. Um, I know everyone's been, been kicking him, and, and we probably have giving him a little bit of stick, but um, credit where credit is due. It was only Ben Barber that had more running metres than Tony Williams the other night. Um, Roger Tuovasashek, I thought that was a really underrated performance from him. We've been raving on about him for six weeks. He was brilliant the other night, um, 150 running metres. He carried the ball more than any other player from the Roosters. Uh, he seems to beat the first tackle every time he, he runs. Um, very underrated performance. Yeah, well, I've got Shek down as one of my top performers in that game. He, he's absolutely outstanding. He's... Uh... Missed out today, actually, on the starting 17 for the New Zealand side, which is very surprising for me. Uh, Sonny Bill, like we've already said, outstanding. James Maloney, for me, was the man of the match, and rightfully so. Kicked seven from seven, scored himself a try, try assist, uh, line breaks. It was just the all-out performance. If he's not wearing the blue six right now, I'm, I'm just going to be absolutely dumbfounded. But you'd have to think now, with Pierce almost guaranteed, he's going to be the partner and Probably the more dominant of the two, to be honest. Uh, he's been much better than what Pierce has. Mm, definitely. We've got uh, Jared Ray Hargraves again, offloading him like nothing was doing. Uh, just all around, good go forward, great direction from the halves, and that just led to what you saw on Friday night, plus the sprinkle of Sonny Bill Williams on top. And for the Bulldogs, no line breaks, no punch, and uh, two sideways, no forwards over 100 metres besides Tony Williams, and uh, they're waiting for those two front rowers. And if they can make the finals from here on out, good luck to them, but... It's going to be one hell of an effort. Uh, moving on to the second Friday night game, it was obviously another Queensland derby. Had the Broncos getting up 12 over the Cowboys 10. Uh, in general, this game was pretty dead even. It was very hard fought. A great arm wrestle, and as always, these uh, Queensland derbies, big brother versus little brother, always seem to be a very good game. Yeah, the, I mean, the Cowboys, they, they look like they're in control probably up until the 60th minute. Um, and then Brisbane just found a way to win. It was one of those games. Jack Reed came up with a, a couple of key plays. Um, I thought Josh Hoffman had a really good game. Um, Scotty Prince, he came up with a few errors, but he, he threw a nice pass for a try. Um, yeah, Brisbane are warming nicely. I, I don't really know, can't put a finger on what's going on with the Cowboys. I think if Matty Bowen would have played, I think they, they probably would have won this game. They were missing uh, a little bit of attacking fluency. Michael Morgan still not back to, back to that form that he uh, he showed last season, that's for sure. Yeah, well, for me, they just look like they're missing something. And for me, it's the number nine. I know Cost Jason got an assist on Friday night, and he, it was pretty solid. But the, Scott Moore was brought over here to do a job. He obviously hasn't fit into the Australian game, uh, especially handling the ball out of dummy half. There's a lot of slips that seem to be happening with uh, the heat up there. But uh, they're definitely missing a number nine. And Matt Bowen is the key to Jonathan Thurston, as you said before, to, to unlock their side besides the massive forward pack they have. And congratulations, Matt Scott, again, 190 metres. Uh, they, they need Matt Bowen back to his best to assist Jonathan Thurston. But as far as the Broncos are concerned, uh, we've put plenty of boot into the halves the first few rounds, but I think they're starting to take shape. 
Reed, Thiday, the, these guys coming off pre-season surgeries, they're starting to get back to good form. Hoffman, as you've mentioned, and I think an underrated performer for me is Corey Norman at fullback. I, I know he's going to Parra to play 5-8, but as a fullback, I think he's doing a pretty good job uh, playing that link role that you really need now at your fullback. Yeah, well, they've got the three sort of pivots on the field. That's working for them. I thought, as you said, Sam Thiday's performance was um, outstanding. That's the best he's played all year on the back of no sleep after um, his wife had a baby earlier last week. Uh, I thought Alex Glenn, underrated performance. Andrew McCulloch, mm. he's doing a lot of good things for the Broncos. Um, and that was probably the difference on the night. I thought, um, you know, the Broncos have more players making plays and looking threatening rather the Cowboys. It was all based around Thurston. Um, and that's going to be an issue for them moving forward if they can't rectify that. Yeah, well, 100%. It was uh, a, a pretty complete performance for the Broncos. They hung in there for the 80 minutes. The halves are clicking the Ford pack all contributed and McCulloch's getting them over the advantage line and Hodges and Reed obviously doing the job and Norman and everyone's chipping in. So going forward, things look good for them. Cowboys just a bit of the same old. Matt Bowen unlocks Thurston. Some of those forwards are still a bit underdone and I still think they're going to come good, but at the moment they still look like they're just missing something out of that side. Uh, moving on to the first Saturday night fixture, it was obviously... Newcastle versus the Panthers, an absolute toilet bowl of a game. 8-6 to the Knights. They won that one, but the two tries and, and the game in general was horrible. It was like watching park football. Uh, as far as stats as well, like it was just it was dead even. They both made 1,500 metres, but no shape or direction for either side. 25 errors in the game. Uh, Penrith near the end there almost stole it when they went a little ghetto. They had 12 offloads to two and had, a, you know... Just a really late run at Newcastle. They got a try off a, a dropped bomb, and Newcastle scored a try off a missed tackle off a scrum and an 80 metres the other way. It was just the absolute epitome of terrible football. Mm, there was only one try assist in the game, and that was Luke Walsh. Um, they gave it to him for the kick that Boyd dropped, obviously, for the Penrith, Penrith try. So, uh, as you say, not much to say about this one. I, I thought the uh, the Knights' wingers were excellent in this. McManus and, and Nuate really worked hard in this game. Um, I thought, as you said earlier in your Fast Five, that Dean Waro really stepped up. He made some key reads in defence. Um, Josh Mansour was, again, probably Penrith's, uh, or one of Penrith's best players. Um, Timmy Grant, that was an improved performance from him. Sikamanu, again, worked hard. Um, but, yeah, it was just it was a really hard game to watch. As I said in, in my Fast Five, it was one of my lowlights. It was really poor standard of a game. Yeah, I, I can't go into too much depth. They virtually both had the same problem. They, they lack shape. Too many errors and not too much creation, but yeah, the, the two wingers and Darius Boyd, they racked up some serious metres. Uh, obviously, their forwards were a little disappointing for Newcastle. As far as the Panthers are concerned, yeah, Grant made 180. Naguama and uh, Mansell, unfortunately, are both going to be out for six weeks from that fixture. They've both suffered a knee and an ankle injury, respectively. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was an underrated performance. James Seguiaro, with limited time, had 10 carries for 90 metres. Five of them he offloaded and he made 30 tackles. He's just been sensational for them. Yeah, I think their best two players um, out of the first six rounds have definitely been um, Seguiaro and Mansour, definitely. Yeah, well, for me, I'd probably chuck Manu in there as a three-piece. Yeah, 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 those those two, uh, Mansour and Seguiaro, the two young guys leading the way, but don't want to touch too much more on that fixture. I think Wayne Bennett would have been plenty dirty and going to be lots of improvement but uh yeah absolute toilet bowl uh but they definitely both going to enjoy the week off they need to work on some structure depending on uh, who they've got away on rep duties but just absolute shocker of a game but moving on to a much better 
game and a top-of-the-table clash. The Battle of the Unbeatens, but the Storm prevailed 17-10 in what was a really great game. Uh, just some small bits and pieces there. Souths were supposed to dominate Melbourne's forward pack. They actually were outdone in most of the categories to do in that sense. It was 1,500 metres to 1,200. The Storm got up. Uh, they've got 9-6 in the offload category, something that Melbourne don't really do too much of, and even in the line breaks, they were a little bit ahead. They did make more errors, which has been a bit of a theme this year for Melbourne. Uh, they're getting a bit behind on that statistic, but the way they scramble in defence, it just doesn't seem to matter in the end. No, clash prevailed again. Melbourne too good. Uh, I know a lot of the Sydney press last week was um, loving up the Rabbitohs, but we were both fairly confident that the Storm would get the job done. Um, they seem to just have a little bit of wood on um, the Rabbitohs. I, I know since Maguire's moved to the Rabbitohs, they've obviously improved out of sight, but I just get that feeling that um, maybe mentally the Rabbitohs um, still have those question marks in terms of whether they can actually beat the Storm. Uh, it was obviously it was an improved performance considering the results that uh, Melbourne put over them at the back end of last season. They, they gave the Rabbitohs a couple of touch-ups. Uh, coming out of the game, I thought uh, Billy Slater was, was great. He sniffed around. Cronk had some really nice touches. Ryan Hinchcliffe, uh, I don't know how he didn't get a country spot. I know they've, they've come out and said he, that he was injured, but um, he was almost the player of the player of the game for me. He was uh, sensational. Yeah, well, great contributions from Melbourne. Like I said, in the, a forward pack that was supposed to be walked over. Bromwich, Hinchcliffe and Hoffman were all great. Uh, I thought Widop took a lot of pressure off Cronk, which is important in these big games. He grabbed a try, he ran the, the footy plenty, and he looked very dangerous, but... Smith, again, kind of goes under the radar. 45 tackles, a line break. He ran plenty, and uh, he got an assist as well. So all around, I thought, just the kind of key components clicked very well. Uh, they contained Inglis, and for South, so I said this stat the other week, and it kind of very much surprised me. No forward over 100 metres besides the Burgess brothers, and Lima come off the bench and did it. But for all Teo, McQueen, Tyrrell, guys that are on the field and, you know, out of your forward pack, especially those starters, you need those blokes up near 100. Most of them only just got over 50. Mm. So in a very important game where they were supposed to bash up Melbourne, they definitely didn't. Well, I thought their best two players were Sam Burgess. He obviously he came up with a real key error in that game when I thought that South were getting some momentum back. Uh, I thought Reynolds was brilliant. Mm. Uh, he laid on two tries again. And um, If there were any questions over him stepping up in big games, he, he stepped up. I thought he created a lot of the chances that the Rabbitohs um, had in attack. And obviously, um, Inglis was the other, but... Um, yeah, South can take plenty out of that game moving forward. Mm. Uh, they've just got to make sure that uh, they can produce what Melbourne does week to week. I think, I think that's a challenge for South. They've had a couple of near slip-ups. I know the one in, over in New Zealand, obviously, and, and the one at Penrith that were you know bullets that uh, whisked past them without hitting them. So uh, Melbourne haven't really had a slip-up in the first six weeks. I know they the Dogs made a late run for them um, late in one of the Thursday night games earlier in the year, but considering the schedule that they've had and the fact that they went over to England, to be 6-0 and is um, testament to, to what or how good they are down there in Melbourne. Yeah, well, they're definitely... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
accumulating the points before the origin bite comes around and uh, look fairly certain to be a top four side if they keep racking up the points before that rolls in. So they're definitely going to enjoy the week off too. I know they're going to have contributors in a couple of the rep games, but it's, it's good timing for them and uh, nice and spaced out. But taking away from that, the Rabbitohs are definitely going to learn. They're very close, but just the opportunities. Melbourne took their chances. I thought Souths had plenty of their own, but uh, just about converting in those big games. So that's four games. Uh, we'll have a quick break and we'll come back and do the other four games from the weekend. then continuing on the reviews from the weekend obviously the final Saturday night game was the Raiders versus the Warriors 20 to 16 the Raiders prevailed in that one down in cold old Canberra uh, I just couldn't believe that the swing in possession uh, the Warriors were in control of that one and the game ended up finishing up 60 40 in terms of possession uh, 1600 meters to a thousand the Raiders absolutely dominated in that sense and the Warriors had to make 80 more tackles and 6-1 in the penalty count so Absolutely torched, and Matt Hill at the end obviously had a blow-up, and so then he had about 40 touches in the second half, and you just can't win football games without the ball. Mm, yeah, I thought this game and the Titans-Eels game were very similar in terms of one side looked like they were home and hose, and then uh, with about 20 minutes to go, the other side just continually dropped the ball or gave away cheap penalties. Uh, for the, the Raiders, um, I thought Reese Robinson, he was really good for the Raiders. Uh, Sammy Williams was obviously solid. Campisi was pretty impressive on his return. Uh, I thought for the Warriors, Kevin Locke was really disappointing. There were, there were so many kicks in that game that found grass. Um, a couple of plays where he just missed key tackles. Um, I don't know what's going on with his form. Um, the others, uh, Matteo, he's improving. Um, but they just, I don't know, at, at the end of the game when they had the the game, by the bullhorns, they, they just couldn't put it away. Um, and that's been the story over their first six weeks. Yeah, well, for me, I feel sorry for a couple of the blokes that just keep on trying. You know, you got Nathan Friend, who made 55 tackles, and Mentoring and Lowry as normal, dishing up plenty in attack and 40 tackles apiece. And those two young centres we spoke of, Lamarpe and Hurrell, over 100 again. And obviously, Connie grabbed a try. But just in general, I don't, I don't know what it is. I think it's in particular the halves and a few key players like Mateo and Locke, guys that bust open a game for them. Well, Sean, Sean Johnson. Sean Johnson, He yeah. didn't have a hit-up. He didn't oh, have man. a hit-up. He didn't go to ground. Uh, no assist, no nothing. And Lula Wise, not exactly crash hot, but at least he had a red-hot go. But uh, 16-4, I know you look at it, they got one cheaply off a drop ball and they went down a short side twice, but... For some reason, I don't know what it is about Canberra. Canberra just love playing from behind. They let teams take over, and then they seem to come home hot. And look at it right here. Over 100 metres, what I spoke about before, you usually want your forwards racking up some metres. Lars, Tills, Papali, Thompson, Fensum, all over 100-plus metres. Mm. And Kiwi, I think uh, Matt McCurick is a big part of that, getting out of dummy half and putting them over the advantage line. Sam Williams, like you said, solid and... Campisi's contribution being back off such a long-term injury. I think he's at the point now where all that fear is just out of his head. It's been so long, he just thought, stuff it, I'm going to throw myself right in the middle of it. And Another one for me was Edric Lee. I think that was a breakout game for him. He scored a really good try, carried some bodies over the line, and then he set one up at the end there. Mm. Yeah, for the Warriors, I thought the centres were good. Lamarpe and Hurrell, they worked really hard. They looked um, looked dangerous. So did uh, Vatuvai. That's as good as I've seen him play, probably... In the last 12 months, he was he got a double, made plenty of line breaks. Uh, it looked dangerous. 
didn't do too much wrong in terms of kick returns and it will miss tackles, so he's on the improve. Yeah, well, the real question now is Matt Elliott under pressure. He's got one win out of those three coaches, which were Ferner and Price, that seemed to be under the pump, and Ferner and Price are both 3-3 three and three and look to be going forward and have sorted out their issues, but Matty Elliott's uh, one, and, one from six and really looks like he's got some work to do. Yeah, definitely. He's... Um, well, when the players don't want to play for you, it's not not the easiest job in the world. So uh, it looks like it was just destined to fail from the start, the Warriors' appointment of Elliot. Yeah, well, I've got to give a wrap to the Raiders. They still had to fight back. They seem to love to do it. But coming into finals, if they're ever going to be a real contender, they need to learn how to kick off from the word go, get in front and do the job from there. You can't always be chasing points because when they roll around to a Melbourne or your Souths or a Roosters at the moment, who well, they, they did roll. Once yeah. you get to the back end of the year, when teams like that are probably going to be hanging around and consistent, the Raiders need to be a side that knows how to start a game off. Mm. Well, I don't think they are. I, I just think they've got... Teams are allowing them to stay in the game too long. Um, the Warriors should have put them away much earlier. Same as the Roosters. They, they let the Raiders hang around in that game two weeks ago. Um, you've just got to put the Raiders under the burner. I don't, they don't start games well at all, so... Mm. The key to that is is putting your points on early, blowing them out, and uh, making sure that they can't make these uh, miraculous runs with 20 to go. Well, they certainly can. They've got some great young players, and it just just dumbfounds me how they keep finding them. But uh, good win for them, good comeback win, and the Warriors definitely got some uh, soul-searching to do. But moving on to the Sunday triple header, kicked off with the Eagles and the Sharks at Brookvale. 25-18, the Eagles prevailed. But for me, they just completely switched off. They were... 16-6 at half time, ended up getting the game 25-18, but it was more a case of they got ahead, they got comfortable, and the Sharks obviously not, not a team that puts many points up, and uh, especially without Todd Carney, it was always going to be a struggle, and in the end it uh, proved too much of a chase. Yeah, well, I know all week people were saying that Manly would flog the Sharks. I um, I had a nice little bet with the, the start that they threw up on, on Cronulla. Cronulla are one of the best defensive sides in the comp, um, this was just an error fest again. I mean, Manly, they are making a, a hell of a lot of errors, similar to what Melbourne. They they seem to be playing fairly similar styles of footy, struggling to come to terms with the attacking structures that have obviously been implemented for this season. Uh, the Sharks, again, they you can't fault their effort. Um, they were probably just outclassed in the end, uh, and the Asada investigation obviously is having its effect. Paul Gallon, almost 200 running metres. He was excellent. Um, plenty of tackles. But for Manly, I thought the difference was um, Kieran Foran. I, I think he's coming on leaps, leaps and bounds. Obviously, he'll play for New Zealand this weekend. Um, great player, great young player. I, I love watching him play. No, I was going to say that the halves for them in general, Daly Cherry Evans, you can't forget, kicks the, the winning field goal, scores a try, gets a couple of repeat sets, and uh, even a cheeky little one there where the Sharks were getting some momentum back. He stuck his knee in the play of the ball and got away with one, knocking Wade Graham loose at the ball. So those two going forward, when you look at the halves and the comp, they're kind of, you know, Thurston and whoever he's partnered with, they say is a strong pairing and you've got Whitop and Cronk. But as far as those two are concerned, they've got to be in the top three, probably number two in my eyes as far as halves are concerned in the comp. But yeah. um, Brett Stewart again, he, he's improving. Yeah. Michael Gordon, very underrated. He does yeah. a lot of clean-up work for the Sharks. He was great. Um, Chad Townsend, he's probably been disappointing, I think, the last two weeks since Carney's gone injured. Yeah, I think the expectation now, after his first few NRL games, there was no pressure. It was more him coming in and playing. But uh, the other week, once Carney got hurt, they almost had no worries chucking him in there. So maybe that's had some kind of effect. He's expected to play well now, but 
Uh, they definitely need Carney back. Just one last wrap I'd like to give. Steve Matai, George Defer on that edge. Great dummy half work. I think that's underrated every week for Manly as far as getting going and getting forward. You need your backs to chip in to give your forwards a rest, and they were both over 100 metres again. So uh, good on them. Uh, Manly, I just think it's more playing 80 minutes. They've been pretty good so far. Got some blokes who are going to be in the rep scene, but uh, good start, slow finish. But nevertheless, they've got the job done, and they seem to be proving us wrong. We thought they might struggle with their, their best 17. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, and being a bit lacking in depth, but so far they're getting the points on the board. Yeah, then. but I think obviously through this rep period, they're going to have a lot of guys out at, at reps. If they sustain a, a big time injury to one of their key players, that, that's when the test will. Uh, come for Manly, but at the moment, while they keep all their best players on the field, any NRL side's going to be um, right up there performing well with their best players on the field, so um, it, it's not a shock to me that they're going well, I just don't think they've got the depth that they have had in years gone by, and, and the NRL, it's, it's a Melbourne Cup, it's not a golden slipper, and we're only a quarter of the way through the season, so a long way to go. Yeah, it definitely is, and as far as the Sharks are concerned, I'm pretty happy this break's rolled around, I think this is just what they need, they've Got some blokes that'll get to clear their heads playing in a different jersey away from the Sharks, and obviously those that are back at club that aren't playing reps just get a week away from it all. So probably couldn't be any better timing for them, and hopefully they bounce back. Uh, the other Sunday fixture, obviously an absolute cracker. Going to the SCG, bit of nostalgia. Love going back there, and uh, the Dragons prevailed again, 13-12 over the Tigers. And I, I really enjoyed this game. I had some people tell me they didn't like it, but for me it was an arm wrestle. It was a really good game. Uh, it was pretty even all around. Probably the only thing in the end that kind of got them over the line was a couple of more offloads that seemed to lead to tries, especially Matt Cooper's one down there. They get an offload, but they run the ball on the last. Mm. Uh, Jamie Soward, ad-lib football they've been playing again where he drifted across and threw the ball to Vito, who scored an absolute cracker of a try. And uh, Price, like we've mentioned, seems to have finally said, you know what, I'm going to drop the structure, I'm going to put in what I want to do, and I want you to actually play some football, which is really refreshing for, for mine. I think a lot of teams are too structured, and I think they're one of the, probably the only side in the comp that's playing a bit loose. Yeah, they, the scary thing is they still only managed to score 13 points. Mm. I thought the Tigers had enough ball to win the game, but their attack is awful. Mm. Their attack is terrible. Um, if Robbie Farrow isn't creating for them, um, they're not going anywhere. Tim Moulton struggling at the back. I think the sooner they move Tedesco back there, the better. It's it's funny that he's now being picked as, is it the City fullback? Uh, City winger, I think he is. City winger. So you, you look at his numbers from the weekend. From the wing, he got a try assist, which he gave to Moulton. Yep. Two line breaks and scored one of his own. And uh, For them, we mentioned the same two players every week, and you've already mentioned one of them. Farrah with 50 tackles, two line break assists and a line break of his own, mm. and Aaron Woods, 180 metres and 37 tackles. If we don't mention those two every week, there's something wrong. Yeah, well, Aaron Woods is the Sam Cassiano, isn't he, of, mm. of the Tigers this year. He's um, creating a lot for them around, uh, Much around bigger the ball and attack. Probably slight differences, though, is just the motor. I'm dumbfounded. But I mean the reliance yeah. on him producing... Oh, there's massive reliance, and... but I, I just can't believe that a front rower... Who you know he's a, he's a big boy, but he's not overly muscle bound. He's not your huge giant Tony Williams yeah. or you, you know your muscle bound freak. But he went off the field for about three minutes and went straight back on. He would have played close to seventy five minutes in that game. Yeah, he's playing enormous footy. If he's not picked for New South Wales, then something's wrong. Mm. And look, uh, that, that's pretty much it for me on them. I've said that their bench doesn't give them enough impact. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, I thought Anasta was fairly solid again, but. He's obviously going to be taking a steal on the sidelines now, the groin injury, but biggest problem is just what we keep mentioning. There's not enough go-forward. There's not enough support. 
Uh, players like Lawrence, Moltz and Ashford a couple of years ago, you think in the sky's the limit and now we just seem to be bringing up the same two names. It's Aaron Woods and Robbie Farrow and Tedesco's starting to slide in there and I'm with you. If they want to open up their side a little bit more, they need to put Tedesco at fullback. The time's come. Yeah, and I'd move. Oh, you've got to bring Jacob Miller back in. Put him in the halves with Curtis Heron and they obviously played a lot of 20s together. Um, I just I don't understand why Braith and Astor was playing seven. It's going to force Mick Potter's hand anyway with him being out injured. Uh, on the Dragon side of things, it's another just notching their belt for their defence. Their defence is yeah. sensational. I'd go as far as saying it's it's right up there, almost as good as Melbourne's defence. How good was Matt Cooper? Yeah. Matt, Matt Cooper was the Matt Cooper. Of, ties know, down an edge, mid, Mid-20s when you used to watch him and think, if anyone runs down there, they're going to get chopped in half or they're just going to get absolutely buzzed. Um, yeah, Trent Daniel, Barron, I thought Daniel Vito, his imp- mm. performance was improved. Yeah, well, he ran for 200 metres. He had that massive one down the edge there, and then he got in the dummy half after and took a scoot and made another 15-20. So. Yeah, and I thought uh, Mitch Rain and Jamie Soward, obviously, they're yeah. coming good as well. So they're starting to get a little bit of um, a combination formed in there. So that's only going to help the uh, help the Dragons moving forward. But in the last three weeks, they've improved out of sight, the Dragons. Uh, as you say, it's probably gonna, a lot of it's going to come down to um, Steve Price just you know, taking his hands off the wheel and, and saying, yeah. well... We're going to play my style of footy, not the you know the style that Bennett left um, us with, or yeah. the style that every other team's playing. Um, create your own identity. So good on you, Prosy. Yeah. Well, Morrison Nightingale, as we said before, you need meters from your outside backs. They contributed hugely again. Merrin, as always, 150 meters, three offloads, dangerous. They they just look comfortable now. They look like they're enjoying their football, which is, is a big plus. And on the back of great day, like you've said, you know you're going to have chances to win every game. Uh, just one small thing for me, Mitch Rain. I don't know if he's city or country, but as far as I'm concerned, how he's—I think he's a country boy. How he's not at least on the bench for them, I'm very surprised. He's a a player going forward who is very good at a dummy half. He's sharp. And he makes a ridiculous amount of tackles every week. And no offence to Michael Innes, you know he had his time in the sun and he's a fairly good player. But I think Rain is a country boy, and for me, I probably would have had him in that trial if you're going to be. Chucking in blokes like Curtis Sirian and Tedesco, who are all young and unexperienced. Mm. Yeah, oh, I'd agree with that. I, if we pick Ennis, we're in big trouble. Put it that way. Mm. Well, like I said, they're going to chuck in all these young babies if they're trying to move forward. Uh, why is he not in there with Jackson, Cordner, and all the likes? And, and where's Fenson for mine? You know, yeah, another young bloke. So, moving off that one because that's a bit frustrating. The last game of the round was obviously the Titans and the Parramatta Eels and. Where wow, Ricky Stewart, mate, that blow up, high fives all around. That was uh, UFC style. I was waiting for him to flip the table over and start punching members of the press. Mm. Well, uh, Ricky, did you not know what you were getting yourself into when mm. you took the job? Um, watching this game as a Titans fan, we should have lost the game. Mm. No, no question, no, no doubt in my mind. But the Eels lost the game. The Titans didn't win the game. Yep. The Eels threw that game away. They dropped the pill. They gave away penalties. They just continually sh- shot themselves in the foot. Now, I find it really interesting that Ricky Stewart was whinging about two um, penalties for making contact with a kicker when he was more than happy to take the one in the first half where mm. Nate Moles, if anything, hip-bumped um, the Parramatta kicker who fell over. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, and then he wants to whinge about the two at the end. That set a precedent for the whole game. If, if any contact was made with the kicker, it was going to be a penalty. Um, and Parramatta continually did it. My problem is, is that Parramatta make the same stupid errors over and over and over again. Mm. That's the problem with Parramatta. And as much as he wants to band on about, you know, you know they've been kicked like Brown's, Brown's dogs and, and, and all the stuff that he had to say in the press conference, if you, haven't, if you haven't seen it, 
get onto uh, Google or YouTube and, and get it up and have a look because it is quite entertaining. But, Ricky, they need to learn. The players need to learn that you can't keep making the same mistakes. Um, it's they just and he's, he's, he gets on there and says that they're learning. Well, they're they're not learning because they they continually make the same errors. It's I can only imagine what it's like being a Parramatta fan, and I'm um, I can't say I'm crying for them, but um, it was just a, it was a crap game. It was a frustrating game to watch, um, and you know the Titans had a lot of key guys out. Parramatta should have won. Yeah, it just. Frustrating game to watch. 28-22, the final score in the Titans' favour. Parramatta halftime, 16-8. Then it was 22-6 very early on. For me, I thought that was uh, the beginning of the end, but boom, the implosion came. 28-22 is obviously the finish, as we said. First half, Parramatta. Uh, Tim Menno looked good. Renny Matua, as always, I, f- I think he's their shining light. He's the most consistent player for them, uh, along with Menno. They're the only two that seem to be able to hold together mm. for 80 minutes, but... Uh, Sandow and Kelly, even, for me, were impressive. They finally looked like they gelled. They were controlling a, a try-assist piece, and Jared grabs a double, Jared Hayne, and everything's looking good. But then, bang, the the final stats tell you everything you need to know. Well, I thought... 1,500 metres to 1,100 to the Titans, 9-6 yeah. in the offloads, 6-2 in the line breaks, and the penalty count went to 12-4. To the Titans. Yes, yeah. that's and all in favour of the Titans. I can, I can understand... Ricky saying that they weren't that bad, and they probably weren't. That's Not the fair first enough. half, no way. Um, but in the, at the back end of the game, there were just ones that they had no. The referees had no choice but to penalise them. Um, I thought at the start of the game, if you watch the first half, that the Eels got away with so much in the ruck it was ridiculous. Um, and yeah, the referees are to blame for that. But uh, it, I thought it was fairly consistent throughout the game for both teams. I I can't understand him having a massive whinge about about the referee and the consistency within the, the rulings on the field, there was only one. I thought the pass to Kalepi Tanganatawa... That's not, um, that's not forward. That wasn't forward. <clears throat> and I think if Ricky went into the post-match press conference and blew up about that, mm. I could cop it. Fair call. I could cop it because that, that was a massive turning point in the game. I think the Titans uh, scored a couple of minutes later and that just started the comeback. But... Um, my problem with Parramatta is, is when they leak points, they leak them like a sieve. Mm. Like, it's got to be, okay, we got a crook decision. The Titans have scored. We still lead by eight. Um, let's just get our get ourselves back into the game, get ourselves back into the grind, wait for errors. Because I'll tell you, the Titans weren't going to win that game uh, as a result of their great effort. I don't, I don't think it was, a, it was a result of the Titans putting themselves into good positions. It was the Eels mm. inviting the Titans down into positions where they could post points. Well, I'm going to give the Titans still some credit because, you know, when you do get opportunities, you need to take them. They obviously got more than enough opportunity off mm. para, but I thought Kelly and Henry kind of struggled. And in the end, you know, Kelly really took control and took advantage of that momentum. I thought he was good. Yeah, well, missing uh, a nine didn't help. I well, mean, having Harrison start at nine. Harrison, Harrison still jumped out, made over 100 metres, and Irwin, the kid who debuted, set up a try, so good on yeah. him. Uh, Greg Bird, 205 metres. Miles, Harrison, Douglas, all over 100. And Minicello finally got a first game. Uh, he looked pretty uh, pissed off, to say the least, and... He, he made 80 metres off only five carries and scored a try. So Yeah, but it, against, it, it, against... Fo- yeah, but it is football. If you're going to give away penalties, if you're going to give momentum, if a team's good enough to take it, that's one thing. But when you give as much momentum as Parramatta gave, they deserve to cop all those points at the end. And... Yeah, I thought for the Titans, William Zillman was very ordinary. Um, he's frustrating me a little bit. Uh, Greg Bird was great. He, he does have that 
dirty little overs line that he, he likes to run. I'd like to see him tuck the ball under and run an unders line and, and dig in behind the ruck there. I think there's opportunities to be had for him. Um, but, yeah, it was Parramatta lost this game. Titans didn't win it. Yeah, well, that's pretty straightforward. You give away those many opportunities and you're going to find yourself on the wrong end of it all. But uh, Ricky definitely got some work to do. The Titans, well, got away with it. That's a free two points, so good on you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that wraps up this week's round. So next up, we'll move into our Degenerate Gambler section. Degenerate gamblers section this week. It's obviously only going to be a short one due to the rep fixtures. But uh, jumping in for me, first of all, will be the Samoa and Tonga clash at Penrith Stadium on the weekend. Uh, for me, Samoa on this one, they're paying a dollar sixty. It's a little short compared to Tonga. I think about two twenty. But Samoa's got a fairly good lineup. Dollar sixty is pretty good odds there. Yeah, I've got a multi this week. I've uh, thrown together a few of the fixtures from the weekend. I think Australia will win both halves. Now, that's a, a bet that you can get on sportsbet.com.au. Uh, Australia at $1.66 to win both halves. Now, that's not a half-time, full-time. That means they actually have to win head-to-head in both halves. Uh, I've also gone with Louis. I've put Samara into that multi at $1.62. The Aussies to win both halves was $1.66. And then I've gone in the city-country clash. I like city with 12 and a half start. Uh, at a dollar thirty-eight, you whack those three together, you get the odds of three seventy-one. So, not a bad price there if you if you're looking to have a, a sly one on the weekend, like I will be. Yeah, well, for me in the Aussie game, I won't be betting on anything. The only real value I saw was if you can back the Australians one to twelve, which uh, you know it wouldn't surprise me if they only won that way. Sometimes they seem to struggle to gel together, having all those guns that they get the job done, as we saw last year in North Queensland. But one to twelve is paying three dollars thirty. So. Last year in that uh, test at the end of the year, the Aussies actually did win 1-12. to So um, that's something to have a look at. Yeah, the only other one I've got here, uh, Brock obviously had City rolled in that multi. I just had an individual bet, country for me. Uh, they're $1.55 straight. That's not bad, but I see him winning 1-12 to and country's paying $2.90. So that's probably my bet of the week. Country, 1-12 to at $2.90. And yeah, that's all we've got for you this week with the shortened round. So hopefully you get a bit of cash back in your pockets. No more... Uh, Sayers and Weepix. And now we're going to move on to Mr. Gossip. Now it's time for your weekly dose of goss from Mr. Gossip. And we welcome back the bloke who gossips more than two Sheilas having a bit of a brunch. Mr. Gossip, what's doing, buddy? I like that intro. How are you, boy? <laughs> How are you, buddy? <laughs> very good, mate. Very good after my perfect round of last week. Oh, happy days. Panthers are improving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not zing. <laughs> zing. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, well, I guess a short week this week, boys, with um, no rounds of uh, NRL. Um, geez, I've got a lot of emails this week about gossip. Um, I tell you what, I wish the Bulldogs would start winning games because I'm getting so many emails from Bulldogs fans trying to start rumours or just trying to, I guess, get players out of the club or in the club. It's just very, very strange. But, look, I'll start with Joel Thompson uh, from the Raiders. Now, he should decide this week on whether he's going to stay at the club or go to the Dragons. I'm hearing they've both offered him similar packages and similar money, so I guess it'll just come down to whatever culture he decides and 
and, and whatever his manager sort of tells him to do, I guess. But um, I don't know, boys, who would you pick? Uh, well, from being down in the 20 system there, and, you know, Jolly's obviously recently married. He's mates with all those boys, and there's still plenty of the under-20s the under lads down there. I suppose uh, similar money, I, I don't see him going anywhere. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably stay at the the Raiders. I think they've got a brighter future at the moment than what um, what the Dragons do. Anyway, in the one like looking at it from a, a long term perspective, for sure. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Also, I've got um, I had some rumours a couple of weeks ago about the Castleford half, uh, Ringy Chase, the former Dragon. Now I got mail that he was going to go back to the Dragons. I um, emailed a bloke from Castleford. He said no way is it happening, but I'm still getting the email. So sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, personally, I couldn't see him coming back, but trying to find out any sort of inside information from the UK Super League is, is bloody hard, boys. Yeah, well, like I said, they may run the Commonwealth, but you don't run us now, you mugs, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Rangy Chase, he, he got an English jersey over there, and, and you know, and Castlefoot's not exactly one of the crash shot gun ho sides, so he did have one good year and one man of steel, which, you know, over here, that, that's like, you know... I don't know, playing first grade off the bench is the standard of winning the Man of Steel. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he's played here before. It's been a long time. I don't really see Rangy Chase coming back, especially how far the NRL game's gone compared to Super League. Wasn't uh, Rangy Chase was the bloke who put a, um ankle twister on someone in a test a couple of years ago, wasn't he? I think he yeah. was. Yeah, you're right, spot on. He did the old Kurt Angle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he put the, Olymp- the Olympic lock on fucking Isaac Luke, I think it was. It was a good one. <laughs> Oh, it was hilarious. Mm. Not for him, though. Not for Isaac Luke. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, he dishes well, it out, so yeah, he's, he's just giving one back, that's all. <laughs> Speaking of hookers, um, Danny Badiris, now, um, he's just having his back operations and whatnot at the moment. A lot of people from the night telling me that uh, he's going to retire at the end of the year, but Badiris came out, I think it was on Monday, saying that he's definitely not going to retire, so getting, getting mixed sources and mixed communication there. But look, Danny Badiris... As you know, boys, he's been a fantastic player for many years, but unfortunately for me, a little bit like Minicello, uh, I think he's going to have to retire, to be honest. Really? Yeah. He's getting to that age, um, you know, injuries are knocking him down. I know that he's sort of indicated that he's going to hang him up at the end of the year. So depending how severe the injury is, obviously, in the recovery period, um, he may even force his hand. But it'd be terrible to see him go out like that because he... He's one of those guys. He's lasted a long time in rugby league because of his work ethic, and um, you know he busts his backside on the field every week for his for his team, whether whether it be international or Origin or club. He, he always gives his gives his all, Danny. So yeah, well for me, I'd be disappointed for him to go out that way as well. But by the same token, him saying that he probably doesn't ha- plan to hang it up, and I'm sure Wayne Bennett will be looking at his options. You know, he's got Travis Waddell, Matt Hilder. He's he's got a couple of makeshift sort of nines at the moment. So unless they find a more suitable replacement. I, I don't really see anyone at the moment they can replace him with. I'm, I'm sure if he's healthy and good to go, he'll be trying to hold on to him. Yeah, well, he hasn't got the body of Batman anymore, and no. I guess a, a back operation is not something that you want to sort of stuff around with. You know, I think no. it was a, a leg injury, but being back, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah especially at his like, age, like you say. Yeah, you know, I so. think they've been running him similar to what Jason Rolls and a few of the older blokes at Melbourne have said. You know, now with sports science and all this, they put him on specific programs to kind of nurture him through. So if he does push forward, he'd definitely be on a modified program. There's no doubt about that. He'd be wrapped in cotton wool until game day, really. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we've got the Eels recruitment manager, uh, Peter Nolan. Now, 
he travelled to Great Britain, I think it was last week or the week before, just to finalise negotiations and a transfer fee for the two English internationals, Gareth Hock and Lee Mossop. Now, I watch a bit of the English Super League. They're not bad players, I guess, but I don't quite understand. I mean, Parramatta, they're right next door to the biggest junior nursery in the, in, in the world and yet they're going over to England. So massive problems there. You'd think they'd be able to find someone in their own backyard, surely. I think that's a bit of Burgess rage going on right there. They've seen a couple of monsters and thought, why not go over there? But by the same token, you've just mentioned the number one thing with the Super League, the, these bloody transfer fees. It's not the Premier League, you know. It's it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, Mossop I've seen a little bit of, you know. To go good there doesn't mean you're going to go great over here. Gareth Hock I would have loved probably four or five years ago before he had his cocaine ban and all that. But he, he's fairly older, okay. older now, so... I bet he still goes hard. He's got plenty of aggro, but I don't really think either are, are pretty logical buyers for their situation. So are they are they paying big bucks for these blokes? No, you bet. Mm. You bet. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, as you say, they've, well, they've got a nursery of their own. They're right next door to Penrith. Um, I know the Dogs Junior Nursery, even South Junior Nursery at the moment, they're all going great guns. There's plenty of players um, throughout the junior reps from, you know, sort of 18s through to the 20s. So... It seems really strange, especially like you say, you could you could pick up probably four to six really good, strong, young, uh, good twenties players for the price that they'll probably pay for those two. Yeah, so well, Hawks moving into his thirties, and I know Mossop's twenty four, which is probably right for a young front rower. But at the same token, he, you're not got no guarantees that he's going to come out here and dominate, and he's not going to a solid club like Burgess did when he rocked up at South. Yeah, you know, they're exactly. not really building a great... They're trying to build a great side, but he's going to be coming at the foundation of it. So I don't think that's a great wow. induction to the NRL for a Palm. Well, they're not going to be building a great side if they're going to England buying has-beens. So, <laughs> it's, yeah, I think this is this is the argument between Parramatta and Penrith fans at the moment. And I know a lot of Parramatta fans are wishing that they had someone like Gould who's rebuilding Penrith from the bottom up um, in a position... Uh, at Parramatta because they just seem to be rehashing and, and doing the same thing over and over again and not learning from their mistakes. Yeah, you'd think Parramatta, you know, new coach, new administration, they want to build a new culture, but they're just doing the same things over and over again. They're, yep. they're thinking about next year, and, and that's all, really. And mm. yeah, it's very bizarre. It's do you, do you think that really... um, living out here, I, I, I think the difference in the pressure from the fan base of Penrith to Parramatta is very, very different. I, I think... Penrith fans obviously want to win, um, but they don't seem as, as aggro and mental as what Parramatta fans seem. Is it? Would that be a fair comment? I think so. And I think because, well, look, Parramatta last time they won a premiership was 86. Yeah. Penrith have won two since then. Yeah. So um, I guess Penrith have had their, their few premierships. And you know, to say that you've won two premierships in the last, what, 25 years, not many clubs can say that. You know, just ask the Rabbitohs for one. You know, like... Yeah. So uh, Parramatta are just demanding success. And I think because they were so strong in that 80s period, so a lot of the fans that are sort of in their 30s, 40s at the moment grew up with Parramatta being such a success. Yeah. And now to see them on the complete end of the scale, like I think I saw a table on Fox Sports a couple of weeks ago where what they did was they put the, the ladder over the past five years and put teams where they would sit. Mm. And Parramatta was still last over the past five years. So... They, they need success out there. They've got a massive fan base. But yeah. yeah, yeah, they do. They need someone like Gould out there that can that can create them from the like you said from the bottom to the top. Mm. Mm. All right, mate. Um, anything yeah. else for this week? Yeah, another one about um, 
I sound like I'm bloody doing Super League news, but um, <laughs> Justin Poor's over there at the moment uh, playing for Wakefield, the former Eel and Dragon prop. Now, I'm hearing the West Tigers are, uh, well, I shouldn't say desperate to get him. Poor's manager is seeking the Tigers because he's heard the Tigers are they're desperate for forward. So whether that that comes to fruition, we'll have to wait and see. But, geez, Justin Poor, that's... You know, wow, I, I don't think I'd be going there, boys. Yeah, well, I'd say a couple of years ago, I really liked the bloke. And what confused me was he signed with Parra and clearly said, I don't want to leave Wollongong, but the money's too good. And it all just broke down from there. And as people say, when you've got a negative mindset, negative things start to happen. And he never got healthy at Parra. He was frustrated. I seen him get in a stink his first game over there and get <laughs> sent off. So he's obviously not enjoying England. And uh, I don't really think that's the best move from the Tigers. But then again, they did dig... Uh, Ray Cashmere out of a coal mine last year when they needed a forward, and I heard that they were looking for Joel Clinton a couple of weeks yeah. ago. So, you know, I was going to ask as well. Yeah, maybe Joel Clinton can turn up and have tea with a girl in his hotel room again. See how that goes. <laughs> <down>. <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing Joel Clinton face up the Sunny Bill Williams again. Yeah, bring him back just for that. <laughs> Give him one game yeah. match fade and say run at Sunny as many times as you can. We'll pay a hundred every time he smashes you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the well, um, the trail's yeah, gone cold on uh, Clinton. Tigers aren't keen on Clinton anymore? No, I don't think they ever were, to be honest. Again, it's the Tigers uh, management sort of looking for forwards and any manager that's got a forward in his belt, yeah. you know, trying to trying to get them under. So mm. no, I, I doubt that's going to happen. Um, look, the last one for the night, boys, um, was the uh, saga around Ben Barber and Tom Greenberg and everything like that. I don't know whether you guys saw it. On social media today, mm. there was a lot of social media outlets saying that there was going to be a press conference at 4 o'clock and Benny Barber was going to the Broncos. We stood firm here at Enter Bossom and said, it's all crap. And it turned out to be all crap. And basically, I'm sick of it. Like I said earlier in the podcast, I just wish the Bulldogs would start winning so I stopped copping all the, the <laughs> Benny Barber hate emails. It's absolutely bullshit, boys. I just get that many emails saying that Benny's gone and he's he's screwing around with this player's wife and that wife. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite amazing. It's funny what happens when results flip no. the other way. I was going to say. Oh, it's, absolutely, it's, absolutely. I know, I know there's someone on this panel that tipped the Bulldogs to be the biggest slider in the comp, which was me. <laughs> but um, I, I never thought they'd be coming last. Yeah, no. I, 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 they won't land last. Let's no. let's be serious. They won't they won't finish last. No. Obviously, making the eight from here is going to be a battle. Um, we sort of we predicted them to be yeah. um, lower eight. Yeah, well, um, unfortunately, we picked them first up. The first podcast was before the whole Ben Barber saga. I think we had them penciled in at one, but yeah, I, I, you could never have imagined that the Ben Barber situation would have turned out how it would. Uh, the Cassiano thing almost went unnoticed in the off season. I had no idea that he had an injury. And you knew Graham was coming back, but so far, yeah, just diabolical. But for all the fans to be panicking and freaking out after one bad year, let's refer back to Penrith from Parallel. We just said a minute ago, try being a club that you turn up every year, you buy your memberships, your tickets, you take your kids, and you just get beaten repeatedly. Like, they've, they've been no, in a grand final. They've got nothing to complain about after one year. Yeah, and it's, it's early doors, and they've got a lot of excuses to be where they are. I know the Bulldogs fans probably don't want to hear that you know, all the excuses in the world. But, mm. I mean, They're poking, poking at the bee's nest isn't going to fix the situation. So um, I've got no doubt that the relationship between Ben Barber, Todd Greenberg and Des Hasler is not what it would have been 12 months ago. Let's get that straight. Um, but obviously it's a professional club. He's a, uh, he's a large factor in terms of them being a competitive force again. So the Bulldogs' energy would be in getting Ben Barber right, not moving him elsewhere. 
Yeah, and Desi's the man to do it. Now, when he was at Manly, obviously he went through all the um, the, the saga with their, their fullback, Stuart, you know, with all the allegations there and the court cases and whatnot. He got them through that and they won a premiership. So mm. they've got the right man there to sort it out. I, I just don't think the Bulldogs are aiming up. They're just looking looking for Benny Barber or someone else to, to do all the hard work. They're, just, yeah. they're not working as a team, as the old cliche says, but it's true. Well, I thought I thought on Friday night they, they definitely didn't aim up in such a pivotal game, uh, you know, the occasion and... I really expected the dogs to be uh, to come out with with the uh, enthusiasm and the anger, but it looked like the roosters had it all. So surprising, but um, they've now got a couple of weeks to sort of get themselves right and uh, you know head into a new new start with a, with a two week break. Yeah, I tell you what, there wasn't much talk behind the post after every try the roosters put on them, which is never a good sign. Heads are yeah. down. You know, no one was talking, so you, you almost knew when it got to about 18 nil that they were going to get pumped. Yeah. Well, I keep saying it. Everyone's probably sick in here, but for me, Cassiano is the huge factor. He's probably the, he's the big bobber who bends the line back. That well, sets Graham up. as well. Yeah, well, Graham's got footwork and a bit of variety, but Cassiano last year, not only is the link, he attracts more than two defenders most of the time. He bends the line back, and that's going to set up your Pritchard, your Williams, because these blokes aren't going to come in and try and bend the line back and run in the centre. These blokes are waiting on the edges, so... Until those two bookends are back, as far as I'm concerned, that'll unlock the whole game. But I'm going to say something now, and um, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether it actually happens once Cassiano and Graham come back. But I think that defensive structures have changed when teams defending the Bulldogs. I, you know, they seem to just push up and hold a little bit and allow the dogs to just dink the ball along the line. Um, whereas last year, a lot of teams were sort of line speed and put pressure on their big forwards and they were getting burnt with that little tip on pass. So I think Desi's going to have to go back to the drawing board in the next two weeks and just tinker with their attack a little bit because I thought they just moved the ball side to side to side to side on Friday night with no effect at all. Yeah, I agree. I think they looked at the Melbourne Storm blueprint on how to beat the Bulldogs on the grand mm. final last year. That, that race up and in defence, it really tricks the Bulldogs. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah, well, they've, they've got to do a bit of a Melbourne. They've restructured somewhat this year. They've still got some of the same plays, but you've got to grow and adapt them with the players he's got. Uh, obviously, he's got to come up with something new. But uh, moving on from that, we've obviously got the, the short round this week, just a couple of rep fixtures, but we're still going to do some tips. So Australia versus New Zealand in the Test match. I'm going to go the, the Aussies. Pretty straightforward. Uh, we're usually pretty consistent winners of this test match. The Kiwis are running a bit short without SBW, Cassiano, a couple of bigger names. So I think this one, uh, not a blowout because we usually struggle to gel, but we'll still get the job done. Yeah, I agree. I I think Australia picked a lot of players who were probably lucky to get a spot. I know Luke Lewis came out today and said, well, I can't believe I got a spot. So uh, I don't know whether the, the loyalty thing didn't work last World Cup. So, um, you know, we got found out in the final and we... We stuck with a lot of players who probably were a little bit out of form heading into the back end of that season. And I just hope that, um, you know, we put in a good performance this week. Um, if not, the guys that are out of form, Sheens can sort of, uh, well, pun them, I guess, you know. Um, but I'm going to tip the Aussies, just as Louis said, they're missing a lot of players in New Zealand. And, you know, you look at history and 13, well, I think the last 13 tests they've lost, Anzac Test. So um, I'll stick with the Aussies. Yeah, I think the Aussie kangaroo coaches and whatnot have followed the old cricket model from the 80s, and it yeah. seems to be you know harder to uh, get into the side than get out. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't understand, understand why Gidley's there. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them. I, you know, I'm not going to rattle them all off, but 
when I saw the side, I, I just thought, you know, I hope this works for him. I hope it works because, um, you know, it's it's either it's going to go bust now because if they pick them and then we go bust again in the World Cup, um, it's not going to be a good look. No, exactly. I'm going to pick Australia anyway, boys. One twenty. Yeah, well, then we've got the you know the real test match going down here, the Pacific Nations test match, <laughs> Penrith Stadium. There's going to be a hungry and plenty of tinnies flying around, I know that much. But uh, Samoa versus Tonga, plenty of NRL players have declared, which is fantastic. I'm hoping these two are both competitive at the World Cup, but looking on paper, I'm going to back Samoa in this one. Yeah, I haven't even looked at the sides, but... Um, I like the colour blue better Ooh. than the colour red. <laughs> better than the colour red, so I'm going to go with Samoa. Uh, yeah, I'll just join you blokes and go the blue fellas. <laughs> well, I can tell you one thing. There's going to be two words that are going to be chucked around plenty on the weekend. That's oos and chur. So, <laughs> good on you. <laughs> well, the 20s origin, I know you blokes, I don't know if you probably watch as much as I do. I'm a bit of a fan for the under-20s, but uh, get a tip there. Queensland or New South Wales? Yeah, New South Wales. Just because, yeah, yeah. yeah, New South Wales. Too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I hate Queensland. Like so. I said, I'll, I'll give you yeah. a bit of a tip. <laughs> I've got New South Wales, but they've got four NRL players in their side. Queensland have none, so on that principle, they should uh, definitely do the job. Did you notice that one? How you know he's suddenly an expert, and we have mm. to tip first. Then? That's right. You know, so. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, gentlemen, gentlemen, that's called an interlude. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, right, very good. Yeah, the last fixture of the round, obviously, the uh, non-origin trial, the exhibition match in Coffs Harbour, city versus country. Uh, I'm going to go country. like the fact they've picked the young back row of Cordner and Jackson and they've given opportunities to blokes that are future players. Uh, better back line, less people pulling out, so country for me. I'm going city because, again, I hate country, and Freddie is coaching the city side and he's my man crush, so I'll go with city. <laughs> oh dear me! Uh, uh, this this whole thing frustrates me really. I, it's I think things delayed on Channel Nine as well. It's as though no one gives a hoot. Um, I'm going to go country just because uh, a lot of city boys out. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you a tip. Why not a tip, City? Joel Reddy starting to bang <laughs> right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh dearie me! Well, that was our that's our um, Facebook question this week. Actually, the um, is the city country game still relevant? So I, I know we've. It's it's been posted on NRL Gossip. It's up on the fifth and last page, and it's already going gangbusters. People just ranting and raving that um, it should get the punt. So I think we're all pretty unanimous on that. Yeah, definitely. Mm. It's not a true Origin trial, so no. you know. And why the hell would you would you put all your Origin um, combatants together and, and risk injury? It just it seems ridiculous. Right, so I'm, if I'm a first grade coach. I'm hoping my players don't get selected. If they get injured playing city versus country, you know, do you think all the people that live in the city are going to lose sleep over it? Yeah. Mm. Apart you from know, that, I just I don't understand it. I really don't. It's it's good for, um, I guess, the the heritage and culture of the game and and whatnot. But I think it's it's well well past its uh, used by date. And I guess it's good for the people in the country to see rugby league. But but it doesn't have to be city versus country. The you NRL know, can get a few clubs to go out there surely. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we said. They should take more games, NRL games, out of the country and uh, problem solved. Said this afternoon, one fixture for every team, 16 country towns, Dubbo, Orange, Armadale, problem solved. You can go out to all these joints. The Queensland teams can do outback or the rural areas, just like they did last year. Uh, Bulldogs in Melbourne and Mackay, but It'd be a good um, gateway into Victoria as well, I think, if they took some games to rural Victoria um, to spread the game in, in the southern state. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's also good, too, if the clubs look at it from a membership point of view. If you live in Coffs Harbour and you support um, the Rabbitohs, you're not going to get a membership because you can't go to the games. But if they have one game up there a year, yeah, just exactly. charge them what, like 30 bucks for the membership. They get a free ticket, they get a hat and a scarf, and Bob's your uncle, there's exactly. another member. But I don't know why I use the Rabbitohs because they've got about 1,000, 10,000, I don't know how many, they've got 30,000 members. But, yeah. you know, clubs could do that, you know. Yeah, they could, exactly. most definitely. But that's probably the best initiative. This game's starting to come up fast. Make the NRL, every team, take at least two games out of the country. Problem solved. It's promoted. But uh, that, that's all we've got time for this week. It's all wrapped up, done and dusted. So thanks again for uh, your wisdom, almighty one. <laughs> thanks, Pella. Uh, look, uh, I'll, hopefully I'll get um, a perfect round again, eh? Yeah, yeah. hopefully you burn. Burn! <laughs> <laughs> Right, just walk in and say, have you ever seen Slash play guitar? And just then smash it on the floor. Then, yeah. oh, Problem hey, solved. Do any no justice. Earphones, oh, mate. Money. Earphones and an iPod. Problem solved. Uh, <laughs> I'll do that. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks, guys. See you, mate. Yeah, talk next week. Bye. And a big thank you, as always, to Mr. Gossip. And if you're looking for him, get onto Facebook, go up to the search bar and type in NRL Gossip. He's also on Twitter, at NRL Gossip. Hit him up, he's got all the good info. So now we move into the wrap-up. Well, once again, that concludes another episode of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Thanks a lot for tuning in, and make sure you get onto Podomatic and iTunes when this is uploaded and downloaded. Share, like, and love it with your friends, guys. Help us grow. Uh, obviously, you can hit us up on Facebook. If you go up to the search bar, just type in fifth and last, and we will pop up. On Twitter, it's at fifth and last. It's an N in the middle, not the word and. And if you want to send us an email about anything, fifth and last podcast at hotmail.com. Make sure you get on the page and get into this week's question of the week from the Fast Five. Is the city country still a relevant fixture, or is it past its use-by date? Thanks again, iTunes, Potomatic. Keep listening, guys. Enjoy your football. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.